How about you grab your seat? Great to see you all out on a labor weekend. Many people are away, but we're glad you showed up. If you're visiting, great to have you here as well. Well, I'm going to talk about dreams, and uh, I really believe we need to dream dreams that need interpreting. Uh, too many people can interpret their own dream, but when you're in the spirit, sometimes you see things that you don't have a reference point for. It's like John, when he book, uh, wrote the book of Revelation, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he pinned out stuff he had no context to, but he just wrote it out. And I believe there's power when we dream outside of our reference points. We dream outside of the known. And I really believe God wants to awaken the hearts of people so that we aren't confined to, to the pattern of this world, to what we think is right. But we really come to God and, and we see a prophetic picture of our future. You know, Ezekiel, who was a prophet, he saw wheels within wheels. What did he see? Maybe he saw fidget spinners. I'm not sure. But he didn't know at the time what he was seeing, but it was for another day. And I really believe, you know, we need to dream now for our future. What are, what are the next 10 years going to look like? What, what is the church going to look like in 10 years' time? Right now, I've got to say, we're living in somebody else's unimaginable. Uh, think about that right now. We're living in somebody else's unimaginable. Some people right now in the world couldn't be imagined being in a building like this, having the freedom to lift up Jesus and worship Him. That would be unimaginable from the place and the position they're in. Aren't you glad for what God's done in your life? Come on, somebody needs to celebrate a little bit. We should never take for granted the freedom we have. The joy, the liberty we have in Jesus. I remember, you know, being at a point in time where it would be unimaginable to think that we could meet in this venue week in, week out. But here we are as a church living in a, a space that uh, at one point in time we thought was unimaginable. Could that ever happen? Could that ever take place? Could that ever become a reality? I believe the challenge is to keep on stretching out. You know, why dream? Dream because your dream is your destiny. Your dream is your destiny. And God speaks in dreams. In fact, the promise of the infilling of the Holy Spirit came with the thought that that, that old man, they'll dream dreams. Anybody over the age of 40 here, lift up your hand. You're old. I'm in that bracket. If you need somebody, lift up your hand. You know, but, but old man will dream dreams. They will dream dreams, and young men will see visions. Uh, see visions. Yeah, a lot of the problems with today's generation is that they're not seeing vision. You know, many people say, oh, people are ill-disciplined. That. Well, in the absence of vision, you won't be disciplined. But when you've got a vision in your heart, you build disciplines in your life to accomplish that uh, vision. You know, the problem today with this generation where we see the ills in our society is there's a hopelessness. And until they can get a vision, there won't be any remedy to that. And, and the, here's the thought, though, that young men don't, dream, uh, don't see visions unless old men dream dreams. And I believe we've got a responsibility to keep on dreaming, to keep on believing, to keep on stretching out, to keep on taking hold of the impossible, the invisible, 
and bringing it into our reality. Come on, how many want to dream a dream? And turn to your neighbor and say, dream a dream. Dream a dream. I love that fact. My grandfather at 93, you know, he's got a motorhome and he drives that motorhome, uh, but he's dreaming of a bigger motorhome. You know, he, he does say that uh, people on the road are different to how they used to be. They're not as courteous, uh, courteous as they used to be. Uh, they toot a whole lot more. Uh, I don't think as people on the road that have changed. Maybe his driving has changed. Um, but I love the fact that he's still got a dream. Yeah, he's dreaming a dream. And we die when we don't dream. We, we die when we don't have vision. Proverbs 29, 18, we all know. Without revelation, people cast off restraint. The discipline. Another version says, without revelation or vision, people perish. You don't just survive. You don't just make it. No, you perish. You could be alive today, but be, but be going backwards very fast. If you don't have a God dream. A God dream that doesn't just last for the here and now, the next 20 years till you retire. No, no, a God dream that, that has eternal ramifications. You're, you're born for eternity. And it's so important that each and every one of us live on this planet with a God dream in mind. If you've got your Bible today, I want you to go to Judges chapter 13. Let's go to Judges chapter 13. This is the story of Gideon. Gideon. And we're going to read from there. Verse 13. I'm going to read an excerpt and then do some backfilling. So, here we go, Judges 7, 13, and it says, And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it came to a tent and struck it, so it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his camp answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash. A man of Israel, into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was. When Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, that he worshipped. I, I believe when you get a dream in your heart, or any inkling of a dream in your heart, our first response should be worship. Worship is the incubator of dreams. Come on, I want to encourage you to fill your life with worship. You got some problems going on right now? Worship is your answer. Some of you are looking for a strategy, but I want to say your strategy is found in worship. Come on, put music on in your car. In fact, I had to turn off talkback radio on the way to work. And I just made a conscious decision six months ago that I'm going to fill my travel time with worship. Worship and some of the things that I've been believing God for, praying about, I've just seen come to pass in the most radical ways. You know, what God right now is doing through this nation, through Equipus Church, you know, it's just phenomenal. Church has been birthed. In fact, in the next couple of years, we could have 20 different locations here in New Zealand. That's just here in New Zealand, let alone our international influence. Come on, aren't you thankful for what God's doing? Because, you know, just last week, you know, the life's been transformed. There was an all black in our service in Dunedin. And uh, God had touched his life, got saved at the beginning of the year. Every time he's in town, he's in church, but hungry for the word of God. 
got his Bible, got a notepad out, taking notes. You know, he comes up to me afterwards and he said, you know that Inside Out series, that e-group series you did? I love that. I got the book and I read the book, Who You Are When No One's Looking Three Times. I just read it, read it, can't get enough. In fact, I look up, up the author, Bill Hybels, and I got another book of his, Too Busy Not to Pray. He read that book as well. He goes, you got any more books? I'm just hungry. In fact, I gave him all our e-group video things. He's going, while I'm on tour, while I'm away, I'm going to do all those e-groups in advance. Man, I I love the hunger. Just the hunger in the spirit. Some of us are a little bit, you know, all filled with other stuff that we're not hungry for God. Come on, we need to be hungry for God. Hungry for His purpose. Hungry to worship. Just get in a place of worship. Where you let your spirit soar. See, dreams are dreamt. They're not thought up. They're dreamt. And when you get in that atmosphere where the spirit of God is working, he can reveal things that your natural eyes can't see. He he, he can open the door to things that you can't conceive up here. You can't know by natural understanding. It's the spirit of God comes in and you have like an aha moment. And it's in worship that happens. See, see, where we elevate our mind is when we rely on our own plan. And we've got to come to God and say, God, I don't know what's going on. But I know, God, you're for me. And you've got a purpose for my life. He worshiped and he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Well, The title of my message, I preached that shout, is The Enemy is Going to Dream of Your Victory. The Enemy is Going to Dream of Your Victory. He's going to dream of your deliverance. He's going to dream of your growth. He's going to dream of your influence. He's going to dream of your family getting saved. He's going to dream of your victory. Now, to backfill this, in Judges chapter 6, an angel turns up to Gideon, who's riddled with insecurity. And fear, and he says, hey, mighty man of valor, rise up. He says, go in the strength that you have. And it's like Gideon, this fearful individual, he has an argument with an angel. How many know that's not a good thing to do? You know, he has an argument with an angel, and God's saying, come on, I want you to go. I've got a mission. I've got a plan for you to go into. And Gideon's going, who, me? I'm the least. You know, I'm not able to do this. But still the angel says, go. Any God dream you get, your first feeling will be that of inadequacy. You won't feel up to it. You won't feel like you can do it. In fact, if you feel like you can do it, it's probably not God. Every God dream comes with that feeling of inadequacy. But the angel of the Lord says, come on, Gideon, go in the strength that you have. He's going, what strength? And the angel says, the strength that you have. I got no strength. He goes, yeah, the strength you're using to tell me that you got no strength. How many know so many of us are so busy debating God that we're using up the energy that's meant for mission? If we just obey in the first instance, rather than arguing and trying to over-intellectualize things, come on, just go. Come on, somebody say go. Come on, you need to go in the strength that you have. Now, what had happened is the Midianites had prevailed against the Israelites for some time. In fact, when it came harvest time, the Israelites had planted and harvest time came, 
the Midianites would come in, they were of large number, and they would destroy the produce of the land. They'd destroy animals and they'd leave nothing. So, so, so the, the Israelites would work hard, but they'd harvest little. Some of you right now feel like you're in that place. You're, you're working hard, but you've seen little for the en- energy that you're putting in. You're working hard, but it's like this gap, this gap between where you are and where you believe God's promised. And you don't understand there's an enemy that's out there to kill your dream. There's an enemy out there to destroy your dream. But I love the fact that God has a plan. And he sends this angel to reassure Gideon of that plan. And he reassures him by saying, God is with you. Some of you right now, what you need to hear and what you need to know in the depth of your spirit is God is with you. God is with you. Not just here on a Sunday, but God is here. God is with you on a Monday. Come on, when you're facing that difficulty, when you're up against things that that outnumber you, God is with you. Some of us are still wanting God to prove himself. Gideon did that. He put out some fleeces just to test whether it was really God. He had an angel, though. Yeah, yeah, still he tested God. So some of us... You know, I always, oh, well, God, you've got to prove it to me. You've got to prove it to me. You got, and God proves it, but then he has to keep on proving it. Here's proof that God's got a plan for your life. You're not dead. You've got air in your lungs. I need a sign. You've got a sign. You're alive. And I love the fact that God, Gideon, finally, he finally steps up to the plate. And he, he does something courageous. He goes in and he destroys the altar of Baal. He destroys the altars that have been set up to other gods. Now this upsets a lot of people, as you can imagine. See, if the enemy is going to dream of your victory, first he needs to loosen his grip off your life. And that means for him to loosen his grip, you've got to deal with idolatry. Some of you are going, well... I don't serve and worship any idols. I don't have any in my home. Well, many people don't realize that we live in a society where there's a whole lot of idols. Yeah, it may not be a big fat Buddha. Yeah, it may not be something that we light candles and do different things with. But an idol in modern ta- society is when you take a good thing and you make it the ultimate thing. It's when you take a good thing and you make it the ultimate thing. Sports good. I love sports. But sport in my life can easily become an idol. Because it, it, it's a good thing, but when I serve it, when it consumes my mind, consumes my thinking, it goes to a higher place than God. A career can become an idol. A career is a good thing. It's good to earn a living, as we heard this morning. But, but when it's what we worship, or it's what we think about, what it consumes in mind, and, it, and there's no space for God, that's an idol. Material possessions, renovation, that they all can start off good, but they can go into idolatry real quickly. What you dream of will often reveal what your heart serves. What you dream of often will reveal what your heart serves. 
And we live in a day and age where, yeah, we may not bow down, we not do things, but in a lot of places, we are bowing down. And we are sacrificing. You know you have an idol when you're prepared to sacrifice for it. You know, when career becomes an idol, people sacrifice family time, let alone God time. That, that they sacrifice ideals, biblical principles for progress. And, and if we're to move forward, if we're to take hold of this God, dreams, uh, God dream, we need to deal with our idols. Uh, you know, something's of idol status when you sacrifice time with God to engage it. When Jesus drops down the priority list, you know, the enemy needs to loosen his grip today. Some of us are holding on to things that God doesn't want us to. He wants to give them to us. But we need to loosen our grip. Because while we're holding on to them tightly, they've got a hold of us. And we don't even realize it. Now, now here's the deal. You know, if something's got a hold of you, the enemy's, he's, he's not going to make much commotion. But how... If, if you're lifting something, in fact, we're doing some home renovations yesterday, yeah, and I've got office hands that now have become work hands. I don't know if you can get a close-up of my big blister on my thumb. Everybody feel sorry for me right now. I've got another one. I was, I was doing tiles, and that office hands turned into workman's hands. I know. It's a miracle. And, uh, but, you know, we're lifting couches, and... Uh, uh, my, my youngest daughter said, I can lift this couch. And, and she's nine years old and she lifted it up. And, and you just could see her loosening uh, her grip, but I couldn't get to her in time. But it was as she was the loosening of her grip, it was, ah, boom. Yeah, and then it was all silent. But, you know, where did the screaming come? When, when there was a loosening of the grip. See, see, the enemy won't make noise when he's got hold of you. But I'd say the greatest commotion will come in your life when the enemy is losing his grip. The fact that you've got problems going on right now shouldn't freak you out. should just help you realize that the enemy has no uh, losing his power over you. Come on, you hear me today. Come on, sometimes the greatest fight you'll ever fight is right before your breakthrough. It's right before you go into a new space. But the enemy was trying to go, oh man, get you to think, oh, you've got the problem. You've got no problem. You're just going to a new level. See, before you ever go into a new promise, there has to be a cutting away before there's an entering in. That's what happened with the Israelites before they entered the promised land. First of all, all those who weren't circumcised. Yeah. And, and <laughs> in the wilderness... You know, they had to get circumcised. There had to be a cutting away of the flesh before there could be an entering into the promise. You know, and, and in our lives, it's the same. They think, goodness, it's just, you know, that doesn't need to happen. But, but there's a cutting away of our flesh. There's a cutting away of our flesh before we can take hold of the promise of God. Our, our flesh stops us inheriting God's promise. Now, uh, in chapter 7, we see Gideon's awake early, and uh, he's gathered an army and positioned them by a well. And God comes to him, and this is what he, uh, what he says to Gideon. In chapter 7, verse 2, it says, And the Lord said to Gideon, 
the people who are with you are, they are, what does it say? They are, come on, everybody say that out loud. They are, they are too many, too many. To give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself. This is the reason why there's got to be a covenant away. Saying, my own hand has saved me. Too many, too many. He's got 32,000 and God says you've got too many. He's up against an army of Midianites that can't be numbered. They have camels that can't be numbered. They can't even number them. They're like the sand of the seashore. And God's saying to Gideon, hey, Gideon, I want you to break it down. So what does he do? MC Hammer dance. No. <laughs> no, no. He goes, I want you to break down this thing. Because you've got stuff that's going to restrict you. See, for us to experience victory, so often we think the problem is we have too little. If I just had that, if I had more of that, it's not enough. Could, could it be the problem isn't that we've got too little, but the problem is we've got too much? Could the problem be in our life right now is that we're, our lives are too cluttered? We've got too much of our own thoughts and we're trying to marry it with God's thoughts. We've got too much of our own thinking, the world's thinking, we're trying to bring it together. Too much cultural prejudice, too much of other people's opinions, too much systems, too much structures, too much money. And we've become too much for God. For God. In fact, that's the story of the Israelites. They became too much for God. I know what I'm doing, God. I've got to sort it out. I'm, I'm going to work it out and just become too much. God says to Gideon, I, I want you to break it down. Yeah, you need to break down this army. You've got too many. Too many. See, um, the Israelites uh, came against obstacles time and time again because simply they had stiff necks. Now, now having a stiff neck can be quite debilitating. Because if you've got a stiff neck, you can't just turn to your left. Well, that's my right. <laughs> you can't turn to your left. You know, you can't just look. You know, if you've got a stiff neck, you can't move your neck. You have to move your whole body around. To actually look, you, you, you're not supple. You're inflexible. You know, a stiff neck is you're unable to see your blind spots. You've got, you got things that could take you out, but you can't see them. See, you've got a stiff neck. See, whichever way your head follows, head goes, your body normally follows. So if my head's facing this way, my body's going to turn around and follow in that direction. That's why having a flexible neck is so, is so important. It enables God to direct you. Yeah, 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 your head goes this, over here. You set your gaze upon God. Over here, your body turns in that direction. You don't see anybody walking down the street like this, do you? <laughs> Maybe in West Auckland, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, all the West Auckland. I don't know why that came out. <laughs> Where did that come from? God help me. But God says, "Hey, I want your necks to be flexible. Come on, just stretch your neck. 
Because God wants to move you. God wants to direct you. He, he wants to make a path in the wilderness today. Verse 3 says, now, now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once to Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned. That's a whole lot. He had 32,000, 22,000 go, so he's left with 10,000, and 10,000 remained. See, if you want to experience a God victory, you want to see that God dream realized, you've got to let go of some people. You can't be loyal to the wrong people. See, see what fear is, fear is faith in the wrong thing. Fear will cause you to be a glory hunter. Why did God tell them that they couldn't go as they were? Because they would claim glory for themselves. It was already hard. But he said, hey, it's got to even become harder, if not impossible. Because you can't claim glory for yourself. But what fear will do is once you arrive at your destination, if it comes about, you'll claim glory. Now, now, here's the thing with glory hunters. is an expression that's used in sport. It's often called bandwagoners. You know, people who just jump on winning teams and support them. Because in the end, they go, hey, I'm going to celebrate. But they'll just change team like that. How many of you know, uh, glory hunters are not blues supporters? <laughs> Do I get an amen on that? It's, come on, you've got to be faithful. You've got to be loyal uh, to support uh, uh, the blues. Uh, you know, how many loyal people still out there? Come on, do I get an uh, Oh, man. man. <laughs> we only needed a few. All you fearful people can... Uh, nah. <laughs> Some people need to get saved in this room right now. You know, here's a glory hunter. What a glory hunter do? They'll choose a team that has high odds of winning. Uh, uh, the, the people who have a team in their own city but don't have the guts to support them. Uh, this, this is Wikipedia's de definition, so if you're getting convicted. Uh, uh, they don't keep the faith. They're not true warriors. <laughs> okay. uh, hey, you think about this. Uh, when, when do people need the most support? When they're down. <laughs> not when they're winning. I'm a supporter, yeah, when you're going good. Now, if you're going to do something great for God, you can't be a fair weather fickle believer. Where you get a stubbed toe and you get a disillusion with God. What's God doing to me? You've got to get something in your heart. Yeah, you've got to have conviction. You've got to have some intestinal fortitude. I'm going to stand. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to believe. I believe God can change this city. Yeah, here's the thing. God gets rid of 22,000. But he, he comes again and he says, there's still too many. And Gideon's army is now reduced to 300. From 32,000 to 300. 99% of what he started with is now gone. I've found any victory God gives us 
is at least 99% about him and 1% about us. But we make it all about us. But it's 99% God. See, Gideon's army is reduced, so he must fight by faith or not fight at all. See, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's a fight of faith. It was hard before, but now it's impossible. And what God does is God provides recruits for his faith, not his army. So many of us right now are wanting recruits for our army. And maybe more dollars in our bank account. Maybe more encouragement. But I've found God provides recruits for our faith, not our army. What you've got to understand is doubters destroy the dream. Doubters destroy the dream. It doesn't matter how many people you have around you. If you got doubts in the room, if you got doubt in people's heart, unbelief sets in and they're going to destroy the dream. Don't let the doubters destroy your dream. Come on, we need some people of faith. Come on, I pray as Equipers Church, we'll be people of faith who believe God to do the impossible. Oh, come on, that's an underwhelming response right now. The impossible, come on. We need people to rise up and believe. That which is seen in the spirit, God has revealed for a reason. We're here to change our world. See, God's dream doesn't come about by strengthening your flesh. And that's what we spend a lot of time doing. We try to strengthen our flesh. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's a way, Proverbs says, that seems right to man. They'll give all the rationale, the logical reasons. But it seems right to man. But its end is death. Yeah, the wisdom of man is the foolishness of God. You gotta understand, it's above and beyond, but yeah, we're trying to, oh, well, this makes sense. No, you gotta get God's perspective on it. You gotta get your uh, God dream. Yeah, look, look, look what God gives Gideon's army to fight, uh, fight the battle. Uh, look in his weapon room. He says, hey, I want you to have a trumpet. I want you to have a light, a torch, and a jar. So what's he got? He's got a trumpet, a torch, and a jar. How many know there's some weapons of mass destruction? <laughs> They're really, he's up against an army that can't be numbered. What are you going to do with a trumpet? Blow the ears out of the enemy? It's like... Burr. <laughs> it's like not going to happen. Fighting with a trumpet. A little bit awkward. Trumpets are found in battles, yeah, but they're normally in the hands of one or two. But the command was for all 300 to have a trumpet. They're all to have their own trumpet. Everyone needs a trumpet. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need a trumpet. trumpet. I don't know if you have one. Don't get a recorder. Recorders are paint. (laughs) Any, any parent of a young kid who's ever learned to play the recorder gives me an amen on that. In fact, my brother one time gave my daughter uh, for her Christmas present a recorder. <laughs> and how many know he doesn't love me? 
a trumpet. Everyone needs a trumpet. What did they have? They had a torch because you need a light in darkness. But that torch was to be hidden in a jar of clay. In a jar of clay. Now the Bible talks about that, that we're just jars of clay. We're earthen vessels. And that we carry this treasure within. How many know precious contents go in valuable containers? If you have something precious, you spend money to make sure that it's looked after right. You know, we have these LED panels, and as we bought these LED panels, they come with road cases. Now, if you get cheap road cases, it's going to destroy the goods. So you invest the money to get the right road cases to look after the contents that are in them. How many remember the first time, you know, when you had a child and, and, and you're taking your baby home for the first time? You know, you got precious cargo. So you're making sure everything's right. Straps and everything. You're driving slower than you've ever driven before. Come on, how many dads know what I'm talking about now? You got precious cargo, and that precious cargo needs the right container. But here's the deal. God does it differently. He does it differently. God places his most precious treasure in earthen vessels. Why? So others will see and experience the treasure of Christ rather than being impressed by us. Can I say that again? So other people will experience the treasure of Christ rather than being impressed by us. Sometimes, how many know the packaging is more impressive than the gift? How many heard a gift wrapped up really nice and you think, man, I'm onto a winner right here. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be incredible. And then you're getting through all the straw, you know, all the other packaging, and you find this this little thing. And you go, man, it looked amazing, but it didn't live up to its packaging. Because how many know what's on the inside matters? Uh, what's on the inside of you matters. I love what Paul said in, uh, in Galatians chapter 1, 20, uh, verse 24. And he said, they glorify Christ in me. Yeah. Do you know what should be our prayer? It's not that they glorify me. Not that people look at us. But they'll glorify Christ in us. They'll glorify God in us. It said, Paul said, they glorified Christ in me. We are but jars of clay. Fragile beings who handle difficulty differently. That marks us. It's not that we face, don't face difficulty. It's that we handle it differently. We have a different spirit. We have a different way of seeing things. We look at things differently. What happens? When a cave pot gets bumped around, knocked or even cracked, what happens is the contents spill out. Could it be the knocks in our life aren't because God hasn't abandoned us? It's because He's trusted us as treasure holders. He's trusted us with this treasure within because if there was no knocks or bumps, the treasure just sits there. 
But when we're faced with problems, when we're faced with impossibility, come on, let's not spill our stuff that doesn't look like, doesn't taste like, doesn't smell like Christ. We are the aroma of God. See, when you go through life and stuff happens, a smell comes from your life. Is it a bad smell? Smell that? Or is it a good smell? Because as believers in Jesus Christ, when we're crushed, when we're persecuted, when we're downtrodden, when we're going through mess, the aroma of our life shouldn't be negativity. We shouldn't get disheartened. We shouldn't be, the aroma of our life should be the fragrance of God. I trust in Jesus. He's trusted me to be a treasure holder. Uh, does, does that mean we won't be afraid when we step out? No. Gideon was afraid. But he wasn't released to go home. All those, you know, afraid, fearful, you can go home. 22,000. Gideon was afraid. But he wasn't released. He wasn't dismissed. 31,700 were dismissed early. Everybody goes, yeah, I got off early. Yeah, got to go home early. 300 were held back for what in the natural looked like a death sentence. Being held back is not a nice feeling. You feel overlooked. You feel undervalued. You feel in the minority. You feel like you get all the crap jobs. Come on, how many have ever been that? Nobody has to deal with what I have. They all just got let off early. Yet I have to go through this. I have to deal with this. All because I drunk from the river the wrong way. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Don't get upset at the liberty of others who were dismissed. You've got to hear me. Don't get upset at the liberty of others who got dismissed. I, I found myself as a teenager looking at other people doing a whole lot of different things. But I knew in my heart I was called and, and I just felt there was this restraint. You can't get involved in that. You can't go this way. You can't be about these things. And if you're young, you know, follow God. Give the best life, the best years of your life to serving Jesus. You won't regret it. God had to take me on a journey, though, and he took me to Psalm 73, where he says, Truly God is good to Israel. So those who, whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping. I was almost gone. For I envied the proud. I looked across at those who were dismissed and thinking, they've got a sweet. I envied the proud. I looked at those people you know, who on the outside look like they've got it all together. I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. I seemed to, they seemed to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with the problems like everyone else. How many know Gideon was a clay pot? He had questions. You and I have questions. But what we're going to do is, in this, we're going to doubt our doubts. Too many people doubt faith, doubt dreams. But you've got to doubt your doubts. You have every reason to question your cynicism. 
You have every reason to, to question that skepticism on the inside. Doubt your doubts. Believe your dream. What could go wrong? What have you got to lose? You've only got one life. And some of us, for some of us, it's not that long. But we get crippled in fear and we hold back. Come on, dream. Come on, I want to speak into your spirit. Because so many of you are doubting what God said. You need to start doubting that fear. Start saying, why does that hold on to me? Doubting that anxiety. Why am I anxious? See, God will give you a reassurance. You could have the musicians up. God did this, and he gave Gideon reassurance by doing this. God told Gideon to take somebody up with him and sneak into the camp of the Midianites. This is the passage, the first text I read out this morning. And it was there God had Gideon listen to the dream of the enemy. And it was there he discovered that the enemy dreams of our victory. Imagine going into a game, a big game, and the enemy, your opposition, is dreaming of your victory. I mean, no. That's not a good thing to do. If you're dreaming of dropping the ball and somebody getting an opposition team getting an intercept and scoring a try, which happened last night, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's not a good thing if that's your visualization. If you're dreaming of the enemy's victory, imagine that. What I want to pose today is, could what we be afraid of is more afraid of us than we think? Come on, how many hate spiders? In a lot of places, they're more scared of us. Only one person admitted it, Pastor Wayne. Everybody stretch out your hand to Wayne right now. No. <laughs> Come on, how, how, how many get freaked out? Little things. Little things. Sharks. I'm told they're more afraid of us. But yet, we're afraid of them. In many ways. See, see Gideon, God's plan was not for Gideon to fight the enemy. God's plan in this whole situation was for Gideon to frighten the enemy. See, a trumpet in the hand of a warrior gave the impression, every warrior, that, that there was 300 companies of people. Because everybody had a trumpet. And they thought one trumpet represented a company. So they were able to make a louder sound. Uh, the clay pots, what they did, is they allowed, that allowed them to take the enemy by surprise. Some of you are going to take the enemy by surprise. Others are going to look on and go, man, I never thought that was in you. Because uh, they look at you, but they don't realize what's in you. You're going to take the enemy. See, the, the clay pots, they, they allowed that because right at the right time, they broke the clay pots and inside was the light. You've you got to understand your strength, God's strength, 
is found in your weakness. God's strength is found in your vulnerability. God's strength is found in your humility. That's where it's found. And if you could just understand you're a clay pot, I'm nothing but a clay pot, a crack pot. In many ways. I'm no different than you. You know, in many ways, just a crack pot who carry the Spirit of God. I believe we're called to surprise the world. What? You guys do that? I know you guys. I know your weakness. But it's in our weakness God's strength is perfected. Come on, His grace is sufficient today. If we just come to Him in humility and we'll open our heart. Come on, I want to stretch you on the inside. Because some of us, we're putting into our human calculator what we can believe for the next 10 years. And this out pops our answer, but God's got something beyond that, something bigger than that. Come on, we're called to change the world. Oh, man, that's, uh, I'm excited by it. Come on, we're called to change the world. And we're going to let our light on the inside of us shine. See, what the happened was the enemy was startled and confused and was sent into disarray where they actually began killing themselves. In the end, God's going to fight on our behalf. In fact, I like what he said to Jehoshaphat. Good name, if you're naming a kid. Jehoshaphat. He said, stand still, and you're going to see the salvation of your God. Stand still. Come on, just stand in faith. Stand believing. Trust me, I've got the strategy. I've got the way. Come on, there's some business people here looking to go forward. Worship. If you lift your worship. He's got the strategy. He's got the way. It may look different than most. Trumpet, jar, torch. But it's going to bring about breakthrough. Come on, God wants you to dream outside of what you've got a reference for. He wants you to see stuff. You know, I look at the world right now and I think, if they can do that without God, what can we do with God? Come on, Christians should have the most innovative ideas. Come on, we should be leading in every area of society. Leading in innovation, leading, bringing people out of poverty. Come on, health professionals. God's going to give you answers by His Spirit. Ben Carson's. You know, the one who did, did, separated Siamese twins at, at the brain. It was a God moment. In worship, God gave him the strategy how he could do it. Which positioned him at the forefront of brain surgery. It was a God moment. Come on, in worship, a God moment. Your dream, your future, some of you are anxious about what you're doing next year. Come on, in worship. Come on, in worship. Worship is the incubator of dreams. It's where dreams are birthed. It's where dreams come to fulfillment. Come on, worship. Worship, I want everybody to stand to your feet right now. Come on, just before we close off and we go, come on, would you lift up some worship? Get in the Spirit. I'm in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Come on, lift your hands in humility. Come on, sing out.
on, just stand here. Come on, lead your heart, worship. Some of you are looking for answers. I, I feel in my spirit your answers come in worship. There's, there's no waste in worship. No waste in worship. Oh, I'm too busy, too busy. No, you never waste a moment when you're worshiping God. We waste our life doing many different things, but you never waste. Come on, just for a minute or so. Come on, can we just position in a posture just in our heart? Humility. Come on, humility is the key to releasing grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, it's the incubator of dreams, right? Spirit of God, just move. To worship you, I 
be glorified, you to be lifted up, you to be magnified. 